tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney Plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Spill the Baby Tea, a podcast where we candidly talk about all things motherhood and parenthood. My name is Helen Wu Wang. I'm a mom to a 16-month-old baby boy, and I'm here to create a space where we can all share, connect, and feel a little less alone. On today's episode, we are answering some assumptions that people have about moms and being a parent. Isn't being a stay-at-home mom like being on vacation? If you want a child, doesn't that mean you should be prepared to take on the responsibilities? Are women really less desirable and sexy once they become moms? Oof. I'll get through all of those questions and more. To all the moms and parents out there, we are in this together, so let's get this episode started. As with every episode of Spill the Baby Tea, we are going to start with our giggle and drool of the week. For this week, my drooly drool is something that I was experiencing during an outing with friends to a museum. It was a gorgeous Saturday afternoon, and this day just felt really special. My friends and I, we tend to see each other a lot on weekend nights because during the day we are usually running errands or catching up with other friends or for us in our household, it's been a lot of intimate family time. So it felt special because we were hanging out during the day and I brought my baby with me so he could play with his aunties and uncles. Yes. What I realized from this trip is that at this age, which is around 15 to 16 months for my son, it is actually a very unique and wildly transformative period of time. My son started walking two to three months ago, and now he has become so active. He is running. He is a full-on toddler. The moment I take him out of his stroller, he will also not be going back in. He does this back arch now, comparable to the back arches I used to do on the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? But he arches his way out of my grasp, which is so sneaky and kind of fascinating at the same time. But once he's out there, he is on the loose and will not go back into his stroller. He is also still kind of wobbly, kind of unstable. So for me, I have to follow him so he doesn't trip and land on his face on concrete or something, especially for outdoors. There's just a lot of chasing going on right now. So after the outing had happened and I was in the car listening to Wheels on the Bus for the 50th time and thinking to myself, I reflected back on the day and realized I had only gotten like less than five questions in total in asking my friends how they were doing and what they were up to. Just very surface level questions and interactions because literally one sentence in, I'd be like, hold that thought. And then I would go and follow my son and then the convo would just die right there. As much as I appreciate the time and the presence of friends very much and seeing him love on his aunties and uncles and vice versa, I just had a moment, you know, where I thought to myself, it is so hard to interact with other adults when you have a kid that you got to watch. It's also literally turning on mom brain and friend brain and feeling like both are just kind of exhausted trying to keep up with one another. It's a lot to balance out. My giggle of the week is going to be about the exact same day at this museum. 
because as we all know, parenthood involves a lot of cognitive dissonance and having contradictory beliefs at the same time, right? So I'm going to share a positive thought for basically the same moments of when I was running in circles after my son. As I mentioned now, he is incredibly active, but he is also very friendly with people and with strangers. He literally made friends with the entire museum when we were there. I had signed up for a bunch of email newsletters when I was pregnant because I just wanted to inhale as much information as possible to prepare for motherhood. And then I unsubscribed to like 99% of them. But one of the emails that I kept is from Baby Sparks, which sends across monthly milestones these short emails that you can just breeze through to understand what to expect for the month that your child has reached. Baby Sparks. And one of the things mentioned for month 16 is that they love being the center of attention. If they discover an action that makes you or others laugh, they will probably repeat it several times. And this statement is so, so true for where he is right now. To the point that when we were in the cafe area to get lunch, he was walking around all the tables and saying hi to people. And this cute old lady in a wheelchair was like, oh, it's you again. Good to see you, little man. And he does this intense underbite smile thing where his eyes squint so hard that they disappear. And he gave her that face and walked away. And when he walks away, his body always goes first and then his head kind of like follows. So he's still smiling at her with his cheeky little smile, head over his shoulders while he's walking away. And it was so, so cute. Loved it so much. It was just such a cute little moment of him being incredibly friendly and social with the people around him. My husband and I, we are also both very social people. So one of our fears was that our baby would not be like, what if our baby hates people? That'd be weird, right? And of course, babies can grow and change their personality. So maybe we wouldn't have been too worried. But right now, it just kind of makes sense that our baby is as, as social as he is. He's also saying a lot of words now. And it's, again, such a unique period of growth and learning. He can express a few things to us when he wants or needs it. So instead of just having a crying baby and not knowing what the heck he wants, he is now saying things like nai-nai for milk or la for water. And I think that happened because there was a period of time when it was raining a lot in LA. And when we were going on our walks, we would hear the water just flowing through the underground systems and he mimicked the sound of the water, which is la la la. So now that's his, his word for water. Or he'll say cookie now. He is obsessed with these Gerber banana cookies and he'll go cookie. So he, you know, he wants a cookie. So that's been a very big positive when we can remove some of that questioning of what do you want, boy? <laughs> and that comes with the activeness and the growth spurt in learning and also the difficulty of catching up with friends because I had to watch him like a hawk when we were out. All in all, though, I will say that I am very much loving this period of time and seeing his development. It is actually a very incredible and special period of time. So that is my giggle of the week. So for today's episode, we are going to answer some of your assumptions that you shared with me on Instagram, and I bucketed these into different sections. First off, we'll talk about assumptions on expertise. There's an assumption that all moms know what they're doing, that you know how to raise kids after giving birth, that we have any idea of what the F we're doing. Also that they, as in moms and dads, wanted a kid and were prepared to take on all those responsibilities. I think for that last point, especially, that is a very big assumption that people have, that if people are trying for a child and want a child, that they will be prepared to take on those responsibilities. 
The idea of a family unit and becoming what society has set as a social norm in our minds can be idealistic, yet also a nightmare for some people once that reality sets in. And even if you are someone who has attended all these suggested parenting classes and YouTubed all the birthing videos and read all the Parenting for Dummies books you can get your hands on, you will still not feel fully prepared for your first child. Everyone that I've talked to that was expecting have said that they didn't feel prepared, that they weren't ready. I don't think anyone is ever fully ready for their first child. There's just so many unknowns that go into what the child will be like, if they will eat well, if they will sleep well, if there will be any complications with the birthing process. I mean, how are you supposed to feel prepared for something like that, right? And not just that, but it's such a big life change that some people will realize they're not prepared to take on those responsibilities, even if they had intended to. I think that's very normal, actually, to be like, whoa, 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 did I sign up for this? Is there a return receipt? Because <laughs> you can't go back, right? And that feeling, I think it's not normalized enough or it's so shunned upon for new parents to have those feelings that that's why you get the depressed dads that shut themselves off and who don't express themselves. You get the moms who feel a heavy load of mom guilt. And especially if you're going into this with a partner, it's actually a huge testing ground for your relationship. Because up to this point, you've gotten so accustomed to each other and how you behave and carry yourself in a setting that you're both familiar with. But a baby introduces a whole new variable that unlocks different emotions, a deeper level of tiredness, a higher access point to joy. There are new needs and new desires. And with all of that, it is absolutely normal to feel like you are not prepared or that you're not meant for this. And the solution won't happen overnight, you know, but I think it's very important to communicate these feelings with your partner at the very least, and hopefully there will be a level of empathy and understanding. And at least for me and my husband, I feel like in those moments of vulnerability, moments that we just didn't really want to say out loud because we knew that we were both going through it, but in those moments where we did share, that is when our relationship really did blossom to the next level, when you can be there to support each other during those difficult times. And if you're someone who's intentional about wanting to become a better or more prepared parent, you will become that person. You will manifest it and feel more comfortable taking on the responsibilities of a parent. It definitely doesn't happen overnight though. But this first assumption here, I will say is false. Even if you want kids, you will more than likely not feel 100% prepared for one. Another assumption is that we don't need help. This is from Julie Ngo. That is false. (laughs) We may not ask for help, and a lot of that is because we know that we can't trust just anyone with our newborn or with our child. Like, there are so many times friends offer to watch our baby for a little bit, and as much as I wanted to say yes, I couldn't even start to think about how do I share that he has to be held this very specific way in this very specific angle? How do I teach how to change a diaper? How to swaddle? How much to feed? How to feed by tilting the bottle at a certain angle? And I would just end up saying, no to friends, even though the gesture was incredibly gracious of them to offer it. But another thing is we know the level of responsibility it takes for someone to even watch your child for an hour or two. We probably don't want to put the burden on on you, who whoever's offering, to be honest. But for sure, it is immensely helpful to have some help and some relief. Something that I've actually thought to myself of what would have actually been helpful, especially during those newborn days, is having someone help with housework. That could be coming over and literally just bringing lunch or dinner. Also, if you're over and you notice any dishes in the sink, just wash the dishes. Don't even ask. Just do it. 
Your new parent friend might say no if you ask, unless they really care about how their dishes are washed, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just get it clean for them. It would have also been helpful if someone just grabbed a vacuum and said, hey, I love to vacuum. I'm going to do this for you. I believe Mel had done this for me and I was like, oh no, are you sure? Uh, okay, thank you. But in my head, I was like, thank you. <laughs> like it's weird to ask a friend to vacuum for you or to wash your dishes or to cook for you, right? But trust me, it is a huge help because these are the things that new parents have in the back of their minds for responsibilities they just have to get to. Once they figure out how to keep that little baby fed and alive and sleeping well, these are the tasks that just need to be done. So if you want to show up for a friend and they're comfortable with it, perhaps you can hold their baby while they get their housework done or just offer to help with the housework. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. Another assumption we got here in terms of help, first-time parents don't want to hear advice from people with no children. This is from Lena, too. I'm actually going to say this was true for me. And I don't know if that's controversial or if people out there disagree, but it probably depends on what advice they're giving. It's funny because if you scroll through the mom-related social content out there, moms are always making fun of how people say to sleep when the baby sleeps. And you see moms doing these funny skits of them passing out while walking the dog or walking in the middle of the street or while driving. And I've heard multiple times from people without kids say, just sleep when the baby sleeps. And I know it's well intended, and yes, that advice can definitely be true to an extent, but I'd say usually I did not sleep when the baby slept because there's so many other things that we had to get done. So for this assumption, I would say don't force unsolicited advice to first-time parent if you don't have children. Offer your love and your support instead because that is going to go a lot further in my opinion. The next assumption here is stay-at-home moms have it easier than going to work. Oof, y'all, not gonna lie, I used to think this too. I used to think that stay-at-home moms have it easier than going to work. I mean, what a perfect world to be able to release any financial stress that you have on yourself and on your family and to just focus on time with your child 24-7, right? I mean, that sounds like a dream on paper, and maybe for some people it is. But if you are a stay-at-home mom or dad and you don't have any additional help, whether to do cooking or the laundry or the dishes or grocery shopping or the cleaning, it is very hard to do all of that and care for a child, especially if it's a younger child and you're with them all day 
and potentially all night if they're not good sleepers and there's no breaks. That can be very exhausting. I can see how perhaps for older kids who go to school, that gives the parent a bit of a break during the day. That can be a more balanced scenario. But regardless, it is a hard job, especially if you have more than one kid too. When I extended my maternity leave, I was basically doing the stay-at-home mom thing for a few weeks. And yes, Philip was very, very helpful. But I will just say that because of that experience of kind of being a stay-at-home mom for a little bit, I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms and dads who are literally doing it all by themselves, the housework and the childbearing duties. It is not easy. So for this assumption, I will say that it is not easy to be a stay-at-home mom or a dad. The next bucket we have here is sexiness. Ooh, sexiness. Okay, so a few assumptions here that you're not allowed to be sexy or desirable anymore, that moms aren't viewed as attractive anymore, that they lose sexual value and worth compared to single women with no baby. Dang, this one, I think I can have a whole other podcast on and I'll probably need to bring it up at some point. But I think this one is false for how the assumptions were worded. On the general topic of sexiness, though, I think it can vary how we as moms feel about our sexiness and how people can perceive us. For me, right after I had given birth, I definitely hit a low in how much sex appeal I had. I was still healing down there. My libido was low. I was breastfeeding and my breasts had become very sensitive to touch. I did not want them to be touched because it was a source of food for my baby. And it was difficult for me to turn my brain on and off for when it's feeding time and for when it's sexy time. I don't know if that's TMI, but it is what it is. Like it was just, you get to the point of being touched out too, you know? And I just remember having such little and low confidence and not feeling good about myself physically at all. And I definitely fell into this category of an unsexy mom. However, I do feel like moms are getting this resurgence of sexiness these days and owning our sex appeal and not being apologetic for it. Like I remember this was maybe over a decade ago, my god sister had given birth and she basically packed all her clubbing clothes and was going to give it away or trash it. And that moment planted the seed in my mind that, yeah, once you cross this bridge to motherhood, there's no coming back. And when I was young, I'd hear comments similar to that as well. Why is she dressed like that? She's a mom. But I feel like now, whether because of the aid of social media and seeing women and and moms in particular painted in more multifaceted ways, the statement of moms being unsexy is so far from the truth. I think the reality for a lot of people and a lot of moms out there is that we are sexy. We can be sexy. I mean, look at people like J-Lo and Blake Lively and Jessica Alba, all with multiple kids. They're freaking hot ass moms. And I think it's awesome now when you see a mom, say at a wedding, who volunteers to be part of a dance battle and her final move is a split that drops to the beat, which I did see happen. Like that is so freaking cool. And I love how perhaps the people that I'm surrounding myself with or the media that I am consuming, these women are showing me that moms can can be sexy and thus it allows me to feel like I can be sexy and I've said sexy so many times now that it sounds weird to say it again but I hope that that feeling and that perception continues to circulate out there yes for a period of time we may feel very unsexy right after giving birth but we can totally be sexy again in our new bodies and in new and more empowered ways I also just wanted to end this point with this point that when you hear the phrase oh she looks good for a mom. 
I feel like that phrase has become so normalized, but it's actually hella judgy. Like that statement is a big presumption that the bar for how a mom is supposed to look is low. Like imagine if you're an Asian guy and someone said to you, oh, you look good for an Asian guy. Like, how would you feel about that? And why is it so normal to say the same statement for moms, right? Just think about that. All right, last assumption that we have to wrap up this episode. Everyone has it all figured out, but in reality, we're all struggling and learning every day. Not sure if that's an assumption or a statement, but that one is very much true. Every day is a new challenge and we are all in this together and learning together. Even by listening to this episode, we are learning together every day. And this last one says that we as moms rule. Damn right. Fish, fish, fist pump emoji. (laughs) Fish pump emoji. Fist pump emoji. If I could snap my fingers, I would. But this is me snapping my fingers. Okay, not bad. A little sweaty right now. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that is a perfect one to end this episode on because that assumption is very much true. We as moms, we do rule. Damn right. Fish pump, fist pump and all. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you resonated with this episode, check out the latest post over on our Instagram and leave me a note. Did you agree with my response to the assumptions shared on this episode? What other assumptions have you heard about motherhood or parenthood that gets you boiling? I would love to read it and have the rest of the ABG community read it and share in your thoughts as well. Our Instagram handle is at Asian Boss Girl. You can also follow me, Helen, at HWooWoo. And as you know by now, we have shows out every Tuesday and our main show on Thursday. As always, I appreciate you all for allowing me to share my journey with you. We have so, so much more to learn, and I would love to continue connecting and learning from all of you out there. From me and my little bubs, (laughs) bye for now.